All right, before we go into uh, our lesson, let's have a word of prayer, because apparently I certainly need it, and uh, let's do that. Lord God in heaven, we're grateful, Lord, for um, living in the age that we live in. Uh, Father, that uh, the technology that is available to us, uh, we know that there are many, uh, many wicked men and women who take this technology and they use it for their own selfish gain and, and seek uh, to destroy the lives of others through it. But Father in heaven, uh, there's also an aspect of this technology that we can use it for your glory and for your honor. Uh, still being able to connect with one another, Father, and uh, hear the preaching of your word uh, from our pastor, Lord, and uh, still uh, be able to uh, come together if, if uh, virtually, I think is the right word, but at least we can come together, Lord, and uh, worship you together and, and hear about the preaching of the Word of God. We pray, Father, for a, a quick uh, a quick recovery of our nation and pray for a quick recovery of the world, Lord, as we face this virus. Pray, Father in heaven, that uh, you would uh, protect us, keep us safe. Father, please intervene and uh, put a, uh, an end to this uh, matter soon, Lord, so that we can all can come back together again and worship together collectively, physically, as a body. We thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Um, kind of appropriate that we're going to be talking about uh, uh, these ten lepers today, but uh, we'll see how it goes. In Luke chapter 17, uh, beginning with verse 11, uh, we'll, I'll read the passage and then uh, we'll get into our lesson. But in uh, Luke 17, verse 11, we read, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, this story of the ten lepers is uh, unique to the Gospel of Luke. You don't read about these ten lepers that Jesus healed in any of the other Gospels. Uh, this is a story, one of those unique stories that uh, Luke uh, shares with his readers. And uh, as you notice, they, as they practice their uh, social distancing uh, that the law had required, uh, they cried out to Jesus to have mercy on him, uh, implying that they knew of his ability uh, to heal and uh, was beseeching him to do with them as they know or possibly even witness Jesus doing to countless others. Now notice uh, that they called out to him as master, have mercy on us. Uh, again, another word that is unique to Luke's gospel. When we first started this study on, on Luke's gospel, I said that there were many things in Luke's gospel that you would find that you wouldn't find in the other gospels. And this is one of those words uh, that is uh, unique in uh, to uh, Luke's gospel, and it generally means uh, someone who is uh, a chief or a commander or a superior, if you will. So the word master here is is in use of his uh, be 
being a superior, all right, being an exalted uh, person. Uh, if you look through Luke's gospel, Peter and the others often refer to Jesus as master, using this particular word when they were addressing Jesus. Again, not in recognition of him as a, as a teacher, as you would like say a rabbi. Uh, that's a different word. That's a word that you find in John chapter 1, verse 38. And that word does mean a teacher or an instructor. But when Peter and the others called uh, Jesus master in Luke's gospel, it was in recognition of his authority as Lord. And therein lies the issue. And we'll get into that. When these ten uh, called out, uh, they also recognized that uh, Jesus had demonstrated uh, authority from heaven to heal. And it is to this authority that they are now making this this appeal for mercy. Uh, this issue issue of authority was was one of the main issues that Jesus and the Jews uh, constantly went back and forth on. In fact, in John chapter nine, it was uh, the the issue of authority uh, that was at issue in the healing of the of the man born blind. So this issue of authority, Jesus's authority. Uh, was a major stumbling block for the Jews. Uh, so Jesus, uh, so these these ten men are crying out, uh, "Master, have mercy on us!" And so Jesus. Um, I'm thinking wanted evidence uh, for their faith and his authority to do this for them. So what does he do? He gives them opportunity to demonstrate their faith uh, through obedience to his command. Now, that's the same with us. We have opportunities to demonstrate our faith when we obey his commands. We demonstrate our faith in him uh, as our authority, as our Lord, when we obey his commands. And that's just a wonderful way to show that we believe in him, that we trust in him, that we have faith in his authority, in his, his authority and lordship over our life. So their obedience here would demonstrate demonstrate uh, their faith in his power, right, or in his authority to heal them. So Jesus' reply to them was to go and show themselves to the priest. Uh, this also was a requirement of the law uh, for those who had this horrific disease. Uh, if you read in Leviticus, cha- uh, Leviticus chapters 13 and 14, uh, that's where you read in the law uh, everything that covers the commandments concerning those uh, who were either suspect of having leprosy or who indeed were uh, diagnosed with leprosy. Uh, according to the law, there were two reasons uh, for the priest to be involved Uh, with those who had leprosy. Uh, The first was uh, for the priest to examine the individual, uh, to look at them, to determine if it is indeed leprosy uh, that they had contracted. And uh, those chapters talk about what to look for and so forth and so on. And then the second reason why the priests were involved uh, in an examination, and that was to determine if uh, what they suspected as leprosy indeed was not leprosy or uh, that uh, the leper was cleansed, that that he was healed from his leprosy. So the first was to diagnose and the second was to give an all clear to to say that 
okay, you're, you're free of this disease, you're free of this leprosy. So since they were obviously confirmed lepers, right, these 10 men, therefore the only other, re- the only reason for them to present themselves to the priest would be for the second reason, uh, that the priest would examine them and indeed declare them uh, cleansed from leprosy. And then from that point, uh, they would make the, the required offerings for their healings. Again, the Lord is, is blameless uh, in his dealings with these lepers. He was having them to submit to the authority that they were under. Uh, remember what uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5.17? He says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So Jesus, even in this matter, was, you know, was was clean, was above board in his dealings uh, with these lepers. Now, according to the passage here, this incident occurred as the Lord and his men were traveling to Jerusalem. Uh, and it's from this point on in Luke's gospel that Luke records uh, that final distance between the cross uh, of Calvary and where Jesus was is is quickly closing, coming to a close. Uh, In Luke 18, uh, we'll read that he arrives in Jericho. In Luke 19, uh, the Lord and his men are entering into Jerusalem. So just two and a half chapters away, uh, Jesus will finally come to his destination, uh, Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus and the other according to Luke uh, 17.11 uh, were uh, very near the borders of uh, Galilee and Samaria and uh, they came upon a certain village and this village is not named in the Bible and there's a lot of folks who speculate what this or what this village was but again, it's all speculation. But as they approached this village, they met up with these uh, ten lepers. And so these ten lepers were crying out to Jesus. Uh, this uh, miracle of the ten lepers is kind of interesting. Uh, as we come to the close of the Lord's uh, ministry here, uh, this miracle of the ten lepers is the first of three remaining miracles of healing that Jesus will perform in Luke's gospel. Uh, we have the healing of the ten lepers right here in Luke 17. Then we'll have the healing of the blind man uh, there in Jericho in Luke chapter 18. And then the Lord's final miracle of healing is when he reattaches the ear of Malchus after Peter had relieved him of it in Luke chapter 22. Now, uh, the students of the Bible, uh, you know, if you're a Bible student, uh, you may recognize something interesting about these final three healings performed by the Lord. I mean, here we are coming to the close of Jesus's ministry and just a few chapters away, uh, Jesus is going to be crucified on the cross. And what these three miracles of healing, uh, I believe, indicate is the Jews spiritual condition at this time. Uh, With the ten lepers, it is the Jews' sin. Leprosy is symbolic of sin in the Bible. We'll look at this in a little bit. But Israel's chief sin was the 
sin of unbelief. Uh, They refused to submit to the baptism of John by repentance, and in turn, they rejected Jesus as their Messiah, and the root cause of all of this was unbelief. Uh, The blind man of Jericho, uh, he represents uh, Israel's blindness to their times, to the times. In Luke 19, uh, Jesus laments over the city, and if you'll turn to Luke 19 uh, in verse 41, we see Jesus uh, lamenting over the city of Jerusalem for this very reason, that they were blind to their time. In Luke 19:41, we read, And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, uh, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes uh, that was hid from their eyes they, they were blind to their visitation uh, there's a principle in the Bible uh, if one hardens your, their heart against the light that they have been given then what light they have will be taken away and they will be given no more light that is a biblical principle and this is what was going on uh, with the Jews at this time in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22 Jesus says the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? This was the sad uh, spiritual condition uh, that the Jews were in and still are in part according to the Apostle Paul. He says in Romans chapter 11 verses 7 through 10, uh, speaking about the blindness of Israel, he says in Romans 11 starting with verse 7, he says, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for or looks for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Those rest were those who did not believe. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day and David saith verse 9 let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bound down their back alway so there is a spiritual condition of Israel they are blind they they fail to see uh, that promised coming of the Messiah that time of visitation and then we have that Uh, third miracle uh, recorded in Luke's gospel uh, when Jesus was in the garden and he was uh, they had come to uh, arrest him and uh, Peter was uh, was zealous for his Lord and he and he took that knife or sword and he he severed the ear of uh, Malchus Uh, this is symbolic of Israel's refusal uh, to hear or heed God's word the living word Jesus Christ Uh, Jesus in John 530 when he was addressing the Jews he said search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life and they are they which testify of me and ye will not come to me that ye might have life and then down in John 5 45 he continues and says do not think that I will accuse you to the father there is one that accuses you even Moses in whom ye trust for had ye believed Moses ye would have believed me for he wrote of me But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? So you see, they they were they were deaf. 
they they had heavy ears. They weren't hearing uh, Jesus when he was speaking to them. Uh, So the Lord gives a very tragic diagnosis concerning uh, the nation of Israel in that day uh, concerning their spiritual conditions. And it was terminal. It was sad. It was terminal. In Matthew 13, 14, this is what Jesus said. He says, And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal him. So as we come to the close of Luke's gospel, uh, these three spiritual infirmities of the religious Jewish leadership, the lepers and the blind man, and of course Malchus losing his ear, all of these things uh, will be manifested, and the consequence, of course, will be their rejection and crucifixion of the only one that had the power to heal them. They refused him. They rejected him. They did not uh, believe in him. Uh, So to continue with this incident, uh, the Lord hears uh, the cry of these ten men as they're crying out for mercy. And seeing them, he he gives to them this command. Back again in Luke 17 and verse 14, it says, And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went... They were cleansed. And and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, uh, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Now, as mentioned earlier, there were only two reasons for a priest uh, to have any dealings with a leper. And it is for this second reason, uh, the examination of the leper, and for the priest to declare him cleansed, uh, that the Lord sends these men away to the priest. So as these ten lepers uh, turned to do, as they were told by Jesus, I believe at that very moment uh, that these men began to to walk toward uh, where a priest was, uh, they experienced being cleansed of their leprosy. Now, the implication is that all of them uh, realized that they were healed, uh, but the point that Luke uh, makes a a special uh, purpose in pointing out to his readers is that only one of the ten uh, turned back and began shouting glory to God and came and fell on his face before Jesus, uh, thanking the Lord for what Jesus had done for him in healing him of his leprosy. Uh, It's interesting that this man was a Samaritan. Uh, Jesus referred to him as a stranger. Uh, But also Jesus at the same time told this stranger, this Samaritan, uh, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, um, again, Luke's target audience is the Gentiles. It's the Greeks. And to his Gentile readers, uh, this story that Luke records would have been a great blessing and a reason for these folks to rejoice, uh, knowing that Jesus had come to deliver not only the Jews, but Gentiles as well. 
And all that they needed to do, just like this Samaritan, all they needed to do was to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they would be made whole of their leprosy, which is sin. Now, I don't know if you guys ever do this or not, but uh, sometimes when I'm studying the Bible and I come across certain passages like this, or perhaps a passage in, in, in Ephesians uh, that talks about uh, you know us Gentiles being, uh, being a part of the house household of God. I don't know about you, but boy, I tell you what, that just touches my heart, uh, being a Gentile, <laughs> uh, knowing that um, that God loves all of the world, uh, not just the Jews, but all of the world. And me being a Gentile, if you will, okay, maybe I'm being a little sappy about this, but that really uh, causes me to rejoice. And I'll have to admit, at times it even brings tears to my eyes when I think of the, the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ upon all of us, everybody. Uh, there is no exception uh, when it comes to his grace. And so these Gentile readers who would have read this out of Luke's gospel, I can't help but but believe that it had to have touched their hearts, uh, knowing that, that God loves all of us, that he, that he shows mercy to all of us. Now, what is interesting is what the Lord said about the others uh, who also had been healed. If you look again at Luke chapter 17 and verse 17, Jesus asks a question, or actually two questions. He says, were there not ten cleansed? Of course, that's a rhetorical question. Yes, all ten were cleansed. And then he asks, but where are the nine? (laughs) Where are the other nine? They're not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. Where are the other nine at? Now, Bible students uh, will recognize uh, that there is more here uh, in, uh, than just an inquiry made by the Lord uh, of the only one returning out of the ten to give, glo- to give God glory. This Samaritan, the stranger as God refers to, uh, as, as the Lord refers to him. Uh, so he's a stranger. He, that means he's not, a, you know, he's not obligated to the law. He, you know, he's not a part of the covenant promises of, of Abraham and all of that. Uh, but there's more here to this lesson uh, that uh, goes beyond gratitude and ingratitude, uh, even though that can be taught. Um, there's more to it here. Where are the nine? That is indeed a good question. Now, uh, Bible students have known for a long, long time that there are three applications uh, to God's word. There's the historical application, uh, that which is written of the people and the events are actual uh, historical events. The, the, there were ten lepers. Uh, there was uh, a certain village. These men were healed. That's an actual historical event. And then there's the inspirational application. That's that devotional uh, personal application of a passage. You know, you could teach a, a devotion on gratitude and in gratitude. That would be a, a devotional or, or inspirational application. And then there is the doctrinal application, uh, the meat, if you will, of the passage as it applies to the kingdom and Christ coming again. And what I find is interesting as you look beyond this particular passage here in Luke 17, that's exactly the topic that Jesus covers in this last part of Luke 17. And that is the kingdom. And what I believe 
believe is in reference to a to the tribulation period so there's the there's the doctrinal application uh, to this passage uh, that needs to be considered uh, what we see here in these nine lepers who failed uh, to give God glory as this Samaritan had done is uh, what I believe a type if you will, of the spiritual condition of the Jewish religious leadership uh, and a picture of their sin against the Messiah. So uh, what I want to do is I want to present the doctrinal teaching of these ten lepers, or these nine lepers, rather. And it is the sin of unbelief. Now, um, one of the um, chief characteristics of leprosy, or rather any kind of virus or disease, is that it does not discriminate. Uh, Whether you are a pauper or a king, it will infect and afflict one and all. Uh, Leprosy was a feared, contagious affliction, and the law had placed very strict measures on any who had contracted leprosy or was even suspect of being a leper. Those who had um, uh, contracted the disease or were suspect that uh, they had the disease were sent out of the camp. They were sent away from uh, society. They were to be quarantined in order to control the spread of this dreaded disease. Um, Kind of similar to what we're going through uh, in our own time, in our own day. Uh, In Numbers chapter 5, verses 2 through 4, this is what we read. Numbers chapter 5, verses 2 through 4, we read, Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper and every one that hath an issue, and whosoever is defiled by the dead, both male and female, again, it doesn't discriminate, shall ye put out, without the camp shall ye put them, that they defile not their camps in the midst whereof I dwell. And the children of Israel did so, and put them out without the camp, as the Lord spake unto Moses, so did the children of Israel. Again, I mentioned Leviticus chapters 13 and 14. These two chapters uh, provide more detail about those who were suspected of having leprosy or those who had been confirmed to have leprosy by the priest. Uh, Those two chapters, they go into a little more detail. Uh, There is this social distancing uh, that was, uh, was mandated. Uh, for those who had leprosy. In fact, uh, the the Pharisees in time, um, uh, like they did with everything, uh, they they added to this. And so in time, the Pharisees had set this distance uh, to be no less than 50 yards between those who had leprosy and those who did not. So you can see now why uh, these lepers, these 10 men cried out uh, when they saw Jesus approaching the village, they cried out because of the great distance uh, that they that was between them and the Lord. Uh, so they cried out so that Jesus could hear them from this great distance. So the Jews had come to view leprosy as something uh, connected uh, to sin, uh, for it rendered an individual unclean, ceremonially unclean. Of course, this uncleanness uh, separated them from uh, worship in the temple or worship in the tabernacle. Uh, so in their minds, it separated 
them from God. So they were cast out of the congregation of God. It separated them from God. So they began to look at leprosy uh, very similar as as sin. Uh, This view of leprosy uh, connected with sin was further reinforced in the Jewish mind because at times uh, leprosy uh, would be a judgment of God uh, upon an individual. In, uh, in Exodus 4, 6 through 7, uh, Moses was briefly afflicted with leprosy because of his objections in returning to Egypt. Uh, and he was kind of uh, resistant, if you will, as far as God's calling and God's command upon him. Uh, Gehazi in 2 Kings 5.20 uh, became leprous uh, for his greed and deception. In going contrary to his master Elisha's will, in dealing with Naaman, the Syrian general, who was healed of his leprosy. Uh, there was Miriam in Numbers 12.10, uh, because she was envious of her brother Moses' position, uh, going contrary to God's anointing Moses as his chosen man, uh, was even a bit obstinate, re- I should say rebellious in, in, that, in that part. Uh, she was also uh, judged with leprosy, and I believe her, her days of separation were seven days of separation. It may have been more, but I'm just going off the top of my head. And then there was King Uzziah, uh, who became lifted up in pride in Second Chronicles 26. And he went contrary to God's commands, and he attempted to, to perform the office uh, of a priest in offering incense on the altar uh, within the tabernacle. And we see in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 26, verses 18 through 19, when Uzziah attempted to impose his will over the priest who tried to stop him, uh, God struck him with leprosy on his forehead. Uh, and so therefore he had to become separate. Uh, from uh, from from everyone, and that was a judgment on Uzziah for his for his pride, for his his rebellion, if you will. Uh, and each of these incidences where God uh, used leprosy as judgment, it was either for insubordination to God's will or to God's anointed. And at the root of this insubordination was the sin of unbelief. And this unbelief was manifested either by rebellion or covetousness or envy or pride. So in application to the Lord's inquiry in Luke 17, 17, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? That question, where are the nine, is indeed the issue with the Jews. Uh, As you know, in the Bible, uh, the number nine uh, represents what? And if if I could hear you guys, I think I could hear some of you say, well, it means uh, fruit bearing or being fruitful. Yeah, and that's true. We see that in Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 23. The number nine is, is associated with being fruitful or bearing fruit. This was the issue with the Jews in that they were unfruitful. And the cause of their being unfruitful was because of their unbelief. If you remember back in Luke chapter 13, uh, we read the parable that the Lord gave about the, the fig tree in the garden. Uh, turn to Luke 13, uh, 6 through 9, just to remind us of this story. In Luke chapter 13, in verse 6, uh, he spake this parable. It says, he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and he sought fruit thereon and found none. 
Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering and said unto he and he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. It's quite clear that this parable that Jesus uh, shared here was directed toward the unbelieving Jews. They were this troublesome fig tree that was encumbering the ground. At this point in Luke's gospel, uh, here in Luke chapter 17, uh, this period of husbandry, if you will, uh, is quickly coming to a close. And the fig tree that represents the, the nation of Israel, and I, we talked about that, uh, this fig tree that represents the nation of Israel was soon to be cut down. Uh, later, when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, uh, we read of this incident in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew twenty-one nineteen. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree was withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away. That Jewish system of that day uh, was this unfruitful fig tree. Uh, The nation of Israel was that unfruitful fig tree, and indeed it did wither away, because in 70 AD, uh, the Roman army would take the city, uh, destroy the temple, and disperse the Jews. Therefore, that system, that generation, uh, was judged and dealt with. Instead of turning back, as did the Samaritan, to glorify God, the nine, who is a type of Israel at that time, went their way, apparently to fulfill the requirements of the law. That's what they were all about. They were about the law. Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. See, that's what they were trusting in. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. This was the issue with the Jews. Uh, they were insubordinate to the will of God uh, in, in, in Jesus Christ as being the Messiah, and they manifested their rejection of God's will uh, by crucifying the Christ. In, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, uh, we read, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That was Paul's desire. He says in verse 2 of Romans 10, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So if you will they were insubordinate to God's will in this matter. Uh, These nine men 
while in the act of obedience of faith in Jesus' authority to heal them, they had yet to come uh, to experience the true blessing of faith in acknowledging him him and receiving him as Lord, as the Christ of God. So the leprosy, if you will, that afflicted the Jews was that of unbelief. They could not deny his authority to perform miracles, but they refused his authority as the Christ of God, as the Messiah. And herein lies the issue that these uh, nine men highlight in regards to the Jewish leadership's attitude towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Not so much in gratitude as it was in subordination. They were contrary to the will of God. Uh, Later on in Luke's Gospel, Uh, This issue uh, will come to the forefront between the Jews and Jesus. In Luke chapter 20, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass that on one of those days, as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes came upon him with the elders. There's the leadership. And spake unto him, saying, Tell us, by what authority doest thou these things? Or who is he that gave thee this authority? That was the issue. They refused to to accept or believe or acknowledge the authority of his person. From the very beginning uh, with John the Baptist, the Jews did not believe, uh, trusting in rather in their heredity, right? They were the sons of Abraham, or they were trusting in their self-righteousness, all those extra rules that they put on uh, the law, the traditions of, of the elders and the, of the fathers. This is what they were trusting uh, to get them into the kingdom. Uh, these men were warned by John himself of the need to repent of their being a fruitless tree that was in danger of being cut down. Again, we go back to Luke chapter chapter 3 and verse 8, when John cries out, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. See, they were trusting in that heredity. For I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children on Abraham. And now also the axe is laid onto the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not good fruit, bringeth not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. This is the state of Israel at this time. Jesus himself uh, warned the Jews about this leprosy of unbelief, if you will. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 10, this is what Jesus said. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them, uh, said to them that followed, uh, this is when he's talking about the... um, the centurion and his servant, and that the centurion said, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Only say the word and my servant shall be healed. This is what Jesus is marveling. He is marveling that this centurion, this possible Gentile, had enough faith to believe in him, but yet his own people did not believe in him. So he goes on, he says in verse uh, verse 10 of Matthew 8, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but... 
The children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The children, uh, the son, uh, you know, the, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the children who should have been the heirs are to be cast out, being disqualified due to their unbelief. It was the sin of unbelief uh, regarding God's anointed, his Christ, and their insubordination to God's will that was the final undoing of the Jews of this generation. Uh, the Jews uh, first, uh, the church's first martyr, uh, Stephen, he even brought this fact before the Jews, his own people. He said in Acts 7, uh, starting in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, this is what Stephen said about his own people. He says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. That was true when Jesus was uh, was ministering in his time. It was true in the time of the apostles. He says, Ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, Jesus Christ, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the dispensation of angels, and have not kept it. It was this issue of unbelief and their insubordination to the will of God. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, he also brought this same charge against the, against the Jews when he was trying to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 18, uh, starting in verse 5, he says uh, uh, it's written and when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia uh, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ and when they opposed themselves and blasphemed he shook his raiment and said unto them your blood be upon your own heads, I am clean, from henceforth I will go on to the Gentiles. Uh, This failure on the part of of the other nine men uh, reflects or is a type of the attitude of the Jews uh, towards the blessings uh, that the anointed one of God, the Christ, had come to bestow upon him, uh, the Jew, uh, upon them. Uh, the Jews acknowledged his miracles, but they failed to acknowledge him as Christ, the Son of God. Uh, that was the issue. That was the issue. Uh, if you remember in John eleven forty seven, 47, uh, it says, Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. They acknowledged that he did miracles. They knew that he performed miracles. Uh, but they rejected his person. In fact, in John chapter 11, uh, this is where you're going to read the official decision uh, by the Jewish religious leadership uh, to seek Jesus' death. This is when they finally determined, we need to put this man to death. It was Jewish pride, ingratitude, unbelief that led to the neglect of the blessed opportunity presented to them within their reach, but because they were blind to their visitation, right? They rejected Christ and therefore lost out on the kingdom. So we see here in this incident of the ten lepers a um, microcosm, if you will, of the spiritual condition of Israel. 
Uh, but we also see something else here. Uh, we also see here a preview, if you will, of the gospel going forth to strangers, right? First to the Samaritans and then to the rest of the world, Acts chapter 1. In Luke seventeen nineteen, Jesus says to this stranger, to this Samaritan, he says, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. See, the other nine were cleansed physically of their leprosy, and indeed they benefited by their faith that Jesus could heal them. But because these men were, I don't know, for lack of a better way to put it, were so selfishly taken up by their their cure, uh, they failed to return and give glory to God. Uh, For many... Uh, Honestly, for many, uh, this is all that they look for in Jesus. Uh, They look for help uh, in a particular need, uh, get them out of a fix, uh, repair their marriage, get them a job, uh, keep them out of the consequences of their own foolishness. And, you know, they'll call out to Jesus, have mercy on me in my situation, have mercy on me because of my circumstances. And so when the Lord does intervene and the Lord does uh, make better their situation or make better their circumstances, hey, then they're satisfied and then they go on their way. They're satisfied and they go on their way. Uh, That's all they wanted from God. You know, fix fix my my mess. Clean up my mess for me. And then once it's done, thanks God, and off they go. Off they go, doing their own thing. Um, This stranger, on the other hand, uh, like the other nine, he was also cleansed physically of his leprosy. But I also believe he was also... Uh, cleansed uh, spiritually, if you will. It says that he was made whole. Jesus said, thy faith hath made thee whole. I got out my strongs because I was kind of interested in how this word whole was also used in in other places. And what I discovered in Luke uh, 17, 9, this word whole is also translated uh, differently in Luke 7, 50. In Luke 7, 50, again, we have uh, the story of the woman who came in to the Pharisee's house and she uh, cleaned, the, uh, washed the, the feet of Jesus with her tears and, and with her hair. And Jesus said this to her in Luke chapter 7 and verse 50. And he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. The word saved and the word whole are the same word. The word saved and the word whole are the same word. This leper was saved from his infirmity of leprosy. And I also believe that this leper was also saved from the judgment to come upon those of whom the nine were a type. Uh, folk, uh, There are some folks that when they uh, when they come in contact with the power of, of Jesus in their life, not only does it fix their mess, but it changes their life. It changes them as a person. And that's what's important. Uh, coming into contact with the power to save, uh, does it change your life? Does it make you a whole new person? And I believe it did in the case of this, this man who had leprosy. Uh, this man uh, displayed uh, the quality 
unity of faith uh, that the disciples had asked of the Lord in in Luke 17 5 when they asked of the Lord uh, increase our faith right uh, it wasn't that they needed more faith it was the quality of faith that he that they were needing uh, a faith that would as I gave the example uh, would press through the crowd uh, to touch the hem of his garment uh, so that they would be healed uh, the kind of faith that would brave the uh, condemning stares of those who disapproved of you as a as a human being but you went ahead and washed uh, his feet with your tears and the hair of your head the same kind of faith that recognized his authority insomuch that uh, you would request only speak the word and my servant shall be healed this was the quality of faith uh, that I believe that this leper this this uh, Samaritan had shown toward the Lord uh, this man along with the other nine acknowledged the authority that Jesus possessed to heal him uh, the difference between this man and the nine was that the man returned and he humbled humbled himself uh, before the authority of Jesus at first it was a cry for his power to heal and now uh, what we see here in this man is a humble and grateful worship of his person. That's the difference. That's the difference right there. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 11, and I'll close with these final comments. In 1 Corinthians 6, 11, it says, And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In personal application for us, uh, those of us who have uh, received blessing from him, uh, this should promote in us a heartfelt gratitude. Uh, Yes, for the gift, uh, the gift of grace, uh, the gift of forgiveness, uh, but this gratitude for the gift uh, should mature to be more grateful for the giver. I am thankful for the gift of salvation. I am thankful for the gift of of having a, a new life in Christ. I am very, very grateful for that. But the more I I grow in my faith in, 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 in God, the more I read God's word, the more grateful I become for him for who he is, uh, f- for who he is in my, in my life, for who he is in his, in his person. You know, that's, that's what needs to occur. That's the, that's the maturing, the perfecting of one's faith. Uh, that's that mature uh, gratitude that we are to display toward the giver of the gift. You see, it is, it is to the giver himself that the other nine had missed out on knowing. Uh, thereby, uh, they serve as a type uh, concerning the Jewish nation. And that also the Jewish nation, they recognized his power, but they missed out in knowing the Christ. They acknowledged his power, but they rejected his person. That's a mistake. That's where they went wrong. Uh, we also should acknowledge his power, but we should embrace his person. This is where many have come short in our own day. Uh, they believe 
Uh, they have religion. Uh, they're busy about God's work. They're all about the power, but they don't know him personally. They haven't humbly acknowledged his person, his lordship in their life. It may be that some have no power in their life because they have resisted in submitting themselves to the authority of the one who is the power. It is his word that has the authority to heal, and it is his person that makes us whole. So let me leave you with this verse. 1 Peter 2.24, he says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye, are, ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. If you have experienced that saving, forgiving power of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are walking in your own way, I would encourage you, I would plead with you, return to the shepherd and bishop of your souls, commit yourself to his person, to his lordship, uh, serve him uh, in in gratitude and in love. And those of us who, who have embraced him, I would say embrace him even more more. Embrace him even more, especially in these times. Uh, so uh, so, that's the, so that's the lesson for today. And normally I would ask somebody to pray. So I'll go ahead and, and close out in prayer. And then I'll, then I'll end this, uh, I'll end this uh, what would you call this? A broadcast? I don't know. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the power that uh, Jesus Christ is, that there is power in his name, uh, that the gospel is your power to save mankind. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord God, that you have uh, shed this power upon us, Father. But also, Lord, I pray that you would enlarge our hearts, that we would embrace him who is that power, uh, that we would fall deeper in love with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that, Father in heaven, we would go to show this love, go to manifest this love in him uh, by our obedience. We thank you and we praise you, Father, uh, for your blessing in our life. We look forward, Lord God, to what you're going to do in the future, Father. These are exciting times. Uh, our eye, our ears are in tune to hear the trumpet and make our, our eyes sharp uh, to see the times that we live in, Father, and open our mouths that we might share the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, guys. Good to see you. Well, good to see everybody. Thanks for joining, whoever joined. All right, and now I'm ending the video. There we go. <laughs> bye bye, everyone.
Okay, so I didn't delete. All I did was hit done. Yep. Yeah, I think it's up now. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. So did you watch it? Yep. Okay, Was did it, did it come across okay? Yeah, yeah okay. it looks good. Okay, good. Yep. All right, I appreciate it. Thank you for all your help. Uh, all right, bye-bye. Oh, I'm still recording, Brianna. I apologize. <laughs>